would you welcome Justin Braun to the to platform this morning? He's not joking. <laughs> it is nerve-wracking. I've been preaching for about a year now down in Dallas, and there is coming home, that is, that is something else for sure. Um, you know, leading up to today, when I found out that I was going to be speaking today, um, I had a couple bad dreams. Uh, bad dreams, you know, that would include me walking up here on stage and completely forgetting what I was going to say to you all. And then as I turned around, it didn't even matter because no one had shown up anyways. Um, and, you know, typically I would toss this up to nerves until I had a conversation with my little sister a couple weeks ago, and the subject of me talking today came up, and she's like, yeah, I had this bad dream. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, you completely forgot what you were talking about. I ended up leaving. And I'm like, what is this? Um, and I, I didn't tell first service this, but on top of all of this, uh, I don't know, did Pastor, is he, did Pastor, oh, there he is. He, so when I found out that I was going to be speaking today, I immediately started preparing. And so this has been a couple months ago already. And then him, Ben, and Ken all came down to Dallas uh, a couple weeks ago for a uh, conference. And he looks at me at dinner and he's like, hey, uh, would you mind actually finishing our series that we're going through? And I'd already, like, at this point in time, my sermon was already prepared. I was already ready to go. And I'm looking at him, yeah, that would be great. And inwardly, I'm like, my worst dreams are coming true. This is, this is it. This is, um, no, this is, it's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, I've looked forward to this day for quite some time. I appreciate Chip giving me this opportunity. Um, so over the last few weeks, uh, Pastor Chip has been talking about praise and worship and how worship is a, a way of life. It's more than just a good idea. It's more than just something that happens here on Sunday mornings. It's more than just something that happens in your car as you're going to work um, listening to K-Love. Worship is a way of life. And in fact, the Apostle Paul tells us that our lives should be defined um, through our continual worship. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, Pastor Chip has been sharing this quote from, with us from Robert Weber. He says, worship refreshes the soul. It rekindles the spirit. It renews life. For us as Christians, worship is what I what we find our identity in. It's what drives us. It is the very core of who we are. And a part of this worship comes praise. And, and Pastor Chip has been sharing with us, praise is the part of worship that energizes us for the lifestyle of worship. I think we would all agree we come here on Sundays and we, we, we praise God. And it, there's a bit of energy that comes from it. It's what, it's what drives us to go out for the rest of our week. Praise is the part of worship that energizes us for the lifestyle of worship. Now, in the book of Psalms, there are seven words to describe praise. Seven unique words used that we would say praise is. Now, Chip has walked us through five of these words so far. Now, again, I, I said this in first service, and I, I didn't even talk to him after that, but I believe he was very intentional in leaving these final two words for us today, for the conclusion, because I believe in these final two words, um, these two words introduce a new dynamic of worship that many of us often forget about. 
and we don't, we don't put in to action. Our first word is hilal. Now, uh, this might look a, a little bit familiar for some of you. Hilal, the root for hallelujah. Um, we're all familiar with hallelujah, especially with the, the Christmas season upon us now. It, it means to boast, to rave, to shine, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. Now, something tells me that we've all experienced someone, or even maybe in ourselves, uh, what it means to be clamorously foolish. Maybe after a particular sports victory yesterday around 4 p.m., maybe. Um, or maybe, maybe even outside of the sports, maybe, maybe you received a promotion. Maybe you got that good grade on that one test. Maybe you got into a program that you were, you were trying so hard to get into. Maybe one of your kids got into a program. And you just couldn't help but celebrate. You couldn't help but be, be beyond yourself, outside of yourself, to celebrate and to rave and to boast. And whether you've experienced this or not, you've at least met someone who, is, who has experienced what it means to be clamorously foolish. But then there's our second word, shabak, which means to address in a loud tone, to shout, to commend, to glory, and to triumph. Psalm 145 verse 4 says, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And in fact, I I skipped the verse for Hillel. In Psalm 149 verse 3, it says, Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. Sorry about that, Kip. I got you now. Now, I want us to take notice of how these two words introduce a new dynamic. These two words offer a display, but not just any sort of display. This is a display meant for others to see and to experience from our lives. It's from these two words that we more clearly see a lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle of praise, just as we saw in Romans 12. And with these two words, we continue to get a further glimpse of what true worship, true sacrificial living, and unconformity looks like through this display, through our celebration, through our holy triumph, our, our, our holy roar of victory. And I want us to keep this in mind, this idea of these two words being a display, because this will be key as we continue along. You know, growing up, one of the favorite pastimes of my little sister and my mom was to solve puzzles. I was not a part of this pastime. That was not what I did. But they, for some reason, enjoyed putting together puzzles. I mean, there's always a puzzle in one of our living areas, in our basement. Um, and one of these puzzles was deemed to be the impossible puzzle. It was deemed as such because not only did the puzzle not have the straight outer edges to help you get started, but, but you know how the image of the box is usually what the image of the puzzle is going to be? Well, in this case, the image of the, of the box wasn't even the exact image that the puzzle was going to be. And so you have no outer edges, and you don't even know what you're trying to put together. Um, so hence, the impossible puzzle. Now, the whole idea of, pos- of puzzles, most typically, uh, is that by looking at that put-together image, a person should be able to efficiently, albeit um, maybe for some of us, including myself, rather slowly, put these pieces together. And so when we were able to actually see the bigger picture, we then have a better idea of where these pieces belong. In fact, before we even find the perfect fit for these smaller pieces, we we have a general idea of where they can be placed, at least, based off what we know from the, the bigger image and what we also know 
by the image on the smaller piece. And now this concept, this concept of needing to see the bigger picture, I would argue that it's pretty relevant through our daily walks, through our daily lives. In fact, I would say that oftentimes our view on life is probably very similar to this impossible puzzle. We don't seem to have the, those outer edges to help us define where our life is headed or how we should make decisions. And many times it feels as if there's no actual bigger picture, put together image, guiding us at all. Oftentimes we lose pieces, i.e. We, we, we make mistakes, and many times it's not until further down the road or maybe never that we realize we've made those mistakes. Being able to see a bigger picture is what drives us as humans to perform tasks, to complete objectives, and to understand where we have made mistakes, to understand where, what we need to do to fix those mistakes. And I would, I would suggest that this bigger picture, the, the, this idea of needing to see the bigger picture, it goes even deeper, further than just our daily walks of getting up in the morning and trying to make these decisions, but it goes even deeper into what Christianity is all about. You know, so often we dig into the Word of God by diving into each individual book or taking one verse at a time, which is great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, before today even started, I was reciting to myself a particular Bible verse to help me conquer my nerves. You know, getting to know the, the Word of God in this way, it's, it's what we need to be doing. This is how we get to know the Word of God. This is how we get to know God. But if we don't see the bigger picture, it can be hard for us to see where and how everything fits together. And so all of a sudden we have memorized and we know a lot about the individual pieces, yet we struggle in seeing how everything fits. And furthermore, we struggle to see where we, as 21st century Christians, humans, fit into this thing that we, we call life. But when we start to understand what God has been doing since the beginning, we get a better idea of what he's doing now. When we zoom out and take a look at the Bible as, as this large picture, as that put-together image, instead of simply a whole bunch of individual verses that maybe offer some good stuff here and maybe a few good things there, when we zoom out, we see a bit more of the picture to give us, to give us a better idea of not only what God has done, but what he is doing now and where we fit in to this plan. And so all of a sudden, the bigger picture that we get from understanding God's word and understanding God's plan all of a sudden becomes the bigger picture that drives our very lives. Okay, so if we zoom out and we try to get to the outer edges of this puzzle, what do we see? Well, we see that in the beginning, there was chaos. And out of this chaos, God creates order. He, he, he creates man and woman in his image. And he tells man and woman to go forth and multiply. And in this command comes the invitation to spread God's image throughout the earth and to partake in his kingdom that he has created specifically for them. Well, we all know how this ends. We all know the story of Adam and Eve. We see how mankind, Adam and Eve, rebels against God. And instead of bearing the image of God throughout the earth and displaying, remember the word display, and displaying God's kingdom the way he would have it, they try and become like God themselves. And all of a sudden, 
the chaos that was there at the beginning begins all over again with the fall of mankind. So now we move to another piece of this puzzle. And we see how God does something just a little bit differently this time. Out of the chaos that is humankind, that is mankind, God creates, you see the pattern here? Out of the chaos, God creates. But this time, he creates a nation, the Israelites, to once again display his glory to the rest of the world and to restore his kingdom that he would have for them. And ascending of sending, instead of sending them out to the ends of the earth, God plants them in the central prime location so that all of the surrounding nations would see the glory of God and his provision for his people. In fact, this is where we see David and the psalm writers presenting their display of God, of God's glory to the nations through their Hillel, through their Shabbat. But like Adam and Eve, the Israelites fail also. And they reject God's invitation to rule and to display his kingdom. They forget about him. And they follow gods of their own creation. Once again, man trying to be like God rather than relying on God. So we see how God's invitation is initially to all of mankind. Through Adam and Eve, God has invited all of mankind to partake in this kingdom, to display his image, to display his glory. But then that doesn't work, so he narrows it down to a people group, one particular nation. But not because of what they had done. Abraham wasn't even a believer when God called him. But God uses the Israelites to display his image. Again, are you catching on? God uses the Israelites to display his image, his glory to the rest of the world. To bring God's peace, to bring God's fulfillment, his joy, his love back to the world of chaos. But we see that the more that man was invited, man not only failed, man rebelled actively. Man continually strove after their own control after their own success, after their own self-glorification. And chaos continually came as a result. And if we are truly looking at the big picture in all of this, it's at this point in time where we, as the 21st century observers, realize that there is clearly no way mankind is able to truly, truly restore God's image, to truly display his kingdom through our own strength and our own volition. So clearly something, something has to happen. And then all of a sudden, we see, we see something amazing happen in this, in this amazing puzzle of events at the center of the puzzle. When everything else has failed, God becomes man. And it is in this puzzle piece that Jesus comes not only displaying the image of God, but actually brings the kingdom of God to earth. And now the responsibility, the invitation that was once initially for all of mankind, that went down to one nation, has now come down to one man, Jesus. To restore God's kingdom back here on earth, to reconcile the world back to God. But once again, we know the story. 
mankind rebels and crucifies their Christ. But here's the cool part about this puzzle piece. Because even though Christ is crucified, this puzzle piece doesn't result in the same way. Chaos does not ensue. You see, this puzzle piece fits just a little bit differently than all of the other puzzle pieces. Because out of Christ's death comes Christ's resurrection. And Christ's risen is actually a continuation of the kingdom of God and the beginning of the true reconciliation of creation back to God. And once again, the invitation to display the image of God and to display his glory to the ends of the earth is offered to all of mankind. And it's after this puzzle piece that we now come to our puzzle piece, our place where we fit into this plan, where once again God, through the commands of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, invites the whole of his creation, everybody, to be reconciled back to himself and to display his image, to partake in and to restore his kingdom, to display his glory to the ends of the world. Once again, mirroring that same command that was at the beginning of time, to go to the ends of the world and to establish God's kingdom. In fact, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting our sins against us. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And it's at this moment in time that we see the bigger picture. We see the image of the puzzle on the box. But instead of starting with the straight edges of the puzzle, we have to start in the middle. We need to find Christ at the center of it all. And once we find him, we see how all of these other pieces fit together. We see how everything stems from Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate restorer, the ultimate reconciler, who through his very nature, who through his life, remember, worship is a way of life, and Jesus, through his life, was the perfect display of God's glory here on earth. Furthermore, as we move to the outside of the puzzle, we we come, we come to ourselves, and, and this invitation that has, was offered to all of mankind throughout the history of the world has now been offered to everyone once again. Everybody. The invitation has been offered to everybody. But with one difference. You see, when we accept this invitation, we don't simply accept the invitation to try, to attempt to bear the image of God on our own. The Old Testament was proof that this doesn't simply work. No, instead, when we accept this invitation, we accept the invitation to allow the strength of Christ, not our own strength, the strength of Christ, to work in us through his Holy Spirit. 
You see, God is in the midst of making all things new through his church, through us. Each and every individual has been given this invitation. And if you are here today and you have claimed to put your faith in God, then guess what? You have already accepted this invitation. And I'm here to tell you that this should change everything. Our unconformity comes from this. You are a part of God's kingdom that is already and is still yet to come. You are a part of the greatest work that could ever be done. You are a part of God's work. And it is through this promise that our lives become a display, our lives become a display for all to see as we are unique, as we stand out, and as we display our praise, our Hillal, our Shabbat, to the world that we live in today. You see, when it comes to your salvation, when it comes to my salvation, it's more than just fire insurance. It's more than just escaping the flames of hell and waiting for the day to come when you simply don't go to hell. No, that would be minimizing, that would be minimizing Christ's death and resurrection. That would be as if someone, if we were inside of a burning house and all of a sudden God comes in, rescues us from this burning house, sets us across the street and, all, and then just leaves us. And we're just standing there watching this burning house, cold, wet, wondering what our next step is. No, Christ, God does not just save us from something. Christ has saved us unto something. Christ has saved us unto himself. Christ has saved us into his kingdom so that we would know him and that we, that we would bring others to know him as well, that we would display the glory of God, the same goal since the beginning of time. And yet, rather than us attempting to try to display his image through our own strength, he displays his own image through us by the work of his Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 and 19, the Apostle Paul says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, that God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You see, we have been reconciled and redeemed so that, so that the fullness of God's love, his joy, his peace, his hope, his contentment, his purpose might be within us and overflowing from us. And we have been given the same ministry of reconciliation. And all of a sudden, our salvation, your salvation, my salvation, it's no longer just our own. Our salvation becomes the honor of going forth and being free to display God's glory. Do you, do you get that? Being free. 
we are free to display God's glory through our halal, through our shabak of God to the rest of the world, through our actions, through our conversations, through our relationships. Christianity is not just about behavior modification. It's not just about the do's and the don'ts, following this rule or following that rule. It's about discovering God's plan for your life in the now. It's not just about avoiding eternal punishment that is to come. It's about finding God's plan for your life in the now and everything that comes along with it. It is about our halal, the celebration, the clamoring foolishly for the life that we currently have in Christ, as well as clamoring foolishly for the life that is still to come. And in this current life, we have been called to Shabbat, to live out a life of praise for the generations, for the generations to come to see, to literally live out a soundtrack of praise. And, you know, just as any great soundtrack in any great movie, the soundtrack is a defining part of who we are, both in the heartwarming, romantic, gushy parts, as well as the tear-jerking, throat-nodding, sad parts. This celebration and this soundtrack, they are not reserved for ourselves. They are to be displays, they are to be displays for the rest of the world. They are to be displays that others around us experience and see. Christianity is, is not simply about doing the right things to make life a little better ethically or morally. This is about recognizing who you are in Christ and where you fit into God's grand puzzle. His grand puzzle of reconciling the world back to himself through our worship his grand puzzle of reconciling the world back to himself and conquering over the chaos that ensues. Your purpose in this life is not what you do for a living, whether you're a, a pastor, a teacher, a lawyer, a doctor, a custodian, a teacher, a mom, or a dad. Your purpose does not ride in these things, but rather your purpose is who you are in God bearing his glory and getting to partake in his kingdom, all the while being used by God to restore creation back to himself. Your purpose and your identity should be found in his hope, not your own hope, in his joy, not your own joy, in his love, not your own love. Your identity should be found in his contentment, the purpose that he would have for you, and then displayed, displayed to your co-workers, in the midst of that tough job, to your peers after that difficult test, to your loved ones after the death of a loved one, to your in-laws, to your spouse, to your parents, your children, your siblings. We find our identity in praising God by living out loud, by triumphing, by giving glory, we are not conformed to the pattern of this world. The world should see us clamoring foolishly on a perpetual basis. We live our lives as true worshipers through our praise in all circumstances. 
in all circumstances. We boast, we celebrate, we rave, we shine. We need to let our peace, our contentment, our fulfillment that we find in Christ live loudly in the midst of a world that is continually seeking more and more, in a world that is continually questioning their own purpose. Our praise is not limited to inside of this building. Shabbat is praise that we spread to others, a display that we show to others, that we make known to the future generations. It is not contained for the pumping up as if in a locker room before a football game. It is to be passed on. This is our unconformity. No matter the circumstances that are dealt us, we live as ambassadors for Christ. We continually Hillal. We continually Shabbat. We are the light in the midst of a dark world. This is through the strength, not of our own, but of Christ. As we all await for God to finish the task of restoring his creation back to himself because there's yet a final puzzle piece to be added. And in this puzzle piece that will come, we will see God fully restoring all things unto himself, bringing justice where there is no justice, peace where there is no peace, love where there is no love. And taking the people of his kingdom now to partake in the fullness of his kingdom that is yet to come, where his glory will be fully displayed, where our halal will rise to the fullest and our shabak will be a true holy roar for all of the world. God is in the midst of restoring his people back, back to himself, but as we have seen, he does not force. This is an invitation. Whether you are already a Christian or not a Christian, whether you've accepted this invitation or not, it does not deny the fact that you have been invited to get to know him, to learn more about him, and to commune with him. To be a part of something greater, something so much greater than what this world could ever offer. To be different. To halal, to shabak, because we know the victory that we already have. We know the victory that we already have. And we know the hope that is still to come. You know, one of the confessions from long ago says this. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Now, Pastor Chip, he quoted John Piper a few weeks ago, so I feel like I have the liberty to quote John Piper as well. And John Piper would say this. He would change this up just a little bit. The chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. We have all been granted this invitation to display his glory. We've been offered this invitation of eternal joy and peace and contentment. We glorify God when we know him, when we understand the bigger picture of what he has done and what he is doing and what he will continue to do. And then we enjoy him in our worship and one part of this worship is in our halal, in our shabak, our display of God's glory, our display of God's victory, our display of God's fullness in our lives. Because if we can't be different, if we as Christians can't stand up from everybody else, and if we can't find peace in the victory that God has given us, who can? 
If we can't find victory and express joy to the rest of the world because of a God who has brought us out of a burning house, who else can display this eternal joy? Who else can truly halal and shabak? Who can express praise if Christians cannot? We claim to have put our faith in God for our, for our eternities. But are we living that out by being free, by recognizing our freedom to display that victory to the rest of the world? You know, the greatest illusion that Satan can leave us with is that we have direction, that we have purpose, that we have fulfillment apart from God. You know, it's as if that Satan gives us little garden hose as we stand in the midst of a burning down house. And with this temporary hose, we're able to keep the flames at bay so that we don't, off, we don't experience the suffering of the heat. But what many people don't realize is that even with this garden hose of success, this garden hose of temporary good feeling, the rest of the house is burning down around them. The attic, the basement, the other rooms. And they don't see these flames. They're content with experiencing the, the, the joy the joy of not experiencing the flames around them. But God is offering us so much more. He has offered a way out, more than just temporary safety, more than just taking us across the road to watch the house burn. But he's offered us an everlasting life of joy. Don't be disillusioned by the Satan's schemes of, by experiencing this temporary, this temporary relief. Seek the truth. Seek God. Discover your purpose by seeing the bigger picture. Allow God to not only save you from the burning house, but to save you into his house. And then with this victory, let your halal, your celebration of life, and your shabak, your holy roar of victory and hope, be displays to others who are stuck in the burning house and don't even realize it. You see, by holding back your displays of hope and of joy, you're holding back your display of freedom. And more and more people will continue using this hose of disillusionment, this hose of temporary success, and they think that they're fine with it. They think that this is the answer. So the question is, with the start of this Christmas season, this official Christmas season, now that it's post-Thanksgiving, and we can all listen to Christmas music freely now, will your halal be dependent on how everything works out? Will, will your shabak be dependent on if your family gets along or if everyone shows up for Christmas? Or will your praise and worship, will your way of life be based on the eternal victory that you have in God. Ladies and gentlemen, God has offered this invitation for us all. And there are some of us here today, and you'd say, Justin, I am a Christian, but I have no idea what you're talking about. The truth is in understanding the bigger picture is that God has been offering this invitation to all of mankind to display his image, not through your own strength, but through his strength. You know, Jesus tells us that his burden is light. His weight is light and that we should come and take rest 
in him. This does not have to be a journey on our own. We don't have to solve the puzzle on our own. God's already done that. And he's offering you the same victory in life and the same invitation to experience this joy and his salvation. The question is, will you accept that invitation or will you continue allowing yourself to be content with this garden hose of success where eventually that water will run out and the house will come crashing down? Ladies and gentlemen, I would offer you and I would tell you that across the street, God has his house. A house not free of struggles and pains, but a house of victory. That in the midst of those struggles and those pains, no matter what comes your way, no matter what hand you are dealt, at the end of it all, you can put all in because you know that you have the winning hand. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we come to you this morning and we praise your name. Lord, you've walked us through this series of understanding praise, of understanding what it is to worship you, of understanding what it means to be a true worshiper. And God, we pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done, and that it would be through your strength that we might be able to experience you and share this experience with others. Lord, we praise your name for the freedom that you have given us. We praise your name for not leaving us through the resurrection of Christ, but that through the resurrection of Christ, your name can continually be spread throughout the, to the ends of the earth. Father, we lift your name up. We thank you for everything you have done, what you are doing, and what you will continue to do. And it's through the power of your Holy Spirit, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we pray this. Amen.
you with our whole selves, God. Lord, as we conclude this, this November series where we learn about how to praise you and what it looks like, God, continue to work in our lives, continue to shape us and mold us into the image of you that we might be a light into the rest of this world, God. We would be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. We would give of ourselves entirely, Father. We are defender of the widow, father of the orphan, God. We are all sons and daughters of the King. And so we live a life of worship to you, Jesus. Thank you for making a way for us, oh God.
with us as we leave here today. Go with us all the days. It's in the power of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we pray.